0: Let's face it, in this life, we will be challenged, sometimes beyond what we think we can handle. At times, it can feel like we're being stretched to the breaking point. Whether it's work, family, raising kids, or walking out our faith, how do we deal with the day-to-day pressure? And where can we turn when we can't find the answers? Do we shut down, or do we rise to meet the challenge? In the midst of our trials, we will be stretched, but we don't have to be defeated. How you doing? That's, that's, that is what it is. You know, let's just be real. This is painful. I don't understand, you know, why we do this anymore. I mean, it's 2018, for goodness sake. You know, uh, if Arizona is the progressive state in the union, we're all in trouble, you know. And so uh, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know. If those of you have small kids, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. It throws off nap times and, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm getting off on on a whole other thing. Hey, I'm glad that you are here. You know, we're in this series called Stretch. In fact, last week, we talked about, you know, how do we respond or how do we best get through trials, sufferings, persecutions, pain, not why does it happen, but how do we get through it? And we've heard so many comments from that that I would just really encourage you, if you have not yet, to go listen to that. To go back and say, you yeah, know, I'm going through a try. I'm going through some things that are not fun right now in my life. And so hopefully that can be encouraging for you, you know, as well. Hey, as we start today, let me ask you this. Have you ever been frustrated at a coworker, an employee, spouse, friend, neighbor, and the source of your frustration was, They didn't do what you advised them to do. Anybody? Anybody? Now, the reason you were frustrated was because if they had just listened to your great wisdom. It would have saved them pain and suffering and turmoil and temptation or whatever it was, but because they were so stupid and didn't listen to you who had the answer, it made you that much more frustrated because you were just doing it to try to help them, but they weren't listening to that. Like maybe you have a friend who, who, who made a move, you know, maybe to Wenatchee or something like that, you know, and they made this move and you're like, no, no, don't do that. It's not a good idea, but they wouldn't listen to you. You know, maybe you have, you know, somebody who is thinking about a business decision. Sorry, I couldn't help it. So the, sorry, they moved to you, but they're here today. So that's an 11 o'clock special. Uh, so maybe you had a, a business decision, you know, uh, that you were processing through, and you've got some great counsel, and they said, no, no, don't, don't do that. Don't jump into that scenario, and you're like dang it, they didn't listen to me. Uh, Or or maybe, you know, uh, you said to a son, hey, don't don't participate in that. It's going to have some ramifications, not positive for you and for our family. Or maybe you said to that friend, don't date him, he's a loser. And she's like, but I love him. And you're like, no, it's not going to turn out. And the worst part is that when you are proved to be right, you know, you kind of want to say that you're right, but you don't. You want to pour salt in the wound. But you always think about this. If you just listened to me sooner, it would have turned out better for you. The reason I mention that is what if I told you that God is actually the one who's asking us as his kids to do some things. And, And we're looking at God like, no, no, no. We got this figured out. This is the right move. This is the right decision. This is the right relationship. This is the right thing. And he's looking at us going, if you would just listen to me, if you just follow what I actually am trying to tell you, it will go better for you. It'll go better for you in your relationships with one another, with me, you know, this abundant life that he talks about, it will actually be a positive thing. But many times we choose to do our way as well. Uh, I want you to put a pin in that for just a second because when it comes to Christianity or as followers of Christ, we actually have a tendency to lean on one side of the pendulum swing versus the other. And the two ty- types of pendulum swings, if you are a follower of Christ, is you kind of lean more toward this idea that Christianity is about faith, faith. And, and faith, you know, uh, uh, is, is, when it's not done well, is, if you're way on that far side, what you tend to do is live faith as if, well, I believe in God. I accepted him one time. I not even come to church every once in a while. And that's good. Me and God, that's, that's me. We're good. We got this thing nailed down but I can do whatever the heck I want throughout the rest of the week. I can live my way how I wanna do it, with whom I do it, however I wanna do it, because I have faith and that's what it's all about. The other side of the pendulum swing is works. Now the works people are like, no, 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 don't, 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 don't just talk about it, you actually have to show this, you have to do works but that when it's undone, when, it's on, when the far you know, side of the pendulum swing, what you tend to find yourself is your view of God is here's this judgmental, you know, angry person in the sky. And if I do something wrong, he's going to distance himself or punish me. And so I need to do good things because my good works will allow me to have good standing before this God that I have pictured. So those are kind of the, 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 the two ends of the spectrum and where they can kind of go wrong if you're on both ends. Now, unfortunately, we also then bring in, well, salvation then, connection with God for all eternity, is actually tied to one or the other. And so let me be absolutely absolutely as clear as I can be. Salvation is not what I do, but embracing what he has done. Embracing what he has done. So all of you faith people are like, yes! Ephesians backs this up. Chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things, not a reward for works. We have done so none of us can boast about it. To which the faith person says, see, I told you it's all about faith. But the very next verse says something different. It says that evidence or proof of salvation, how do I know that I am a follower of Christ? is proven actually by what I do. Not that I prayed a prayer one time. In fact, the very next verse is verse 10, and it says this, "...for we are God's masterpiece." He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things, the works, that he has planned for us long ago, to which the works person says, I told you so. Uh, Martin Luther, you know, famous theologian, once said this, we are not saved by works, but if there be no works, there must be something amiss with faith. And so with that kind of the foundation of what we're talking about, turn with me to James chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 14 to 26, now, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the back. And we always keep telling you about getting the Bible app called YouVersion. It's a YouVersion Bible app. It's the one that we use and many churches use it. So I want to kind of walk you through, you know, especially you at the 11 o'clock service, to be able to say, I can put this on my phone. And it's very easy because all you do is you download the UVersion Bible app. You click it and it opens up then as you can see, you kind of click to the right corner to more, and on a more, then there's an option. You can do one of two things. One is you type in Valley Real Life, or if your location setting is on, Valley Real Life will pop up. You click on Valley Real Life, and guess what? All of the sermon notes, scriptures, and if you scroll to the bottom, you will also see the community group questions that you will be discussing if your group follows along with the sermon, or it's group questions you can do in your own house with your own friends. And so this is always readily available for you if you'd like to follow along or if it's a helpful tool or resource, which is why we always point to that. Now, while you're turning there, I wanna talk about some of these misconceptions of faith, works, just that kind of stuff that we tend to buy into. And understanding that this is going to be a sermon that may stretch your faith or at least your understanding, maybe even your perspective. And so I'm gonna first tell you Uh, what faith is more than, than, than then wrap up with kind of a definition of what real faith really is. So first, faith is more than what I say. Faith is more. Now, what I say is important. Now, none of these things doesn't mean none of these things are important. It just means there has to be something more. So if you have your Bible, James 2, verse 14, he writes this, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters? If you say, so there's the words, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. You say, there's words again, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do to the starving person or person who needs some clothes? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Uh, You ever heard someone say to you, or maybe you said to somebody else, I love you. No, I really love you. And you or that other person kind of shakes their head and, like, well, that's kind of odd. Like, come on, baby, I love you. And, and so you have the boldness and the courage to actually say back to that person, no, I see a lot of evidence that you love yourself, but I don't see any evidence that you actually love me. You see, when somebody says those words, those very powerful words, and it does mean a lot, I love you, but it doesn't have a lot of meaning if it's not actually backed up by any evidence that there's actually proof or, 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 or something we can buy into when it actually comes to those powerful words. See, it's so easy to say one thing and then do something else, something different. Uh, uh, how many times have we all heard it's important from our doctors or else, you need to eat well, you need to eat healthy. It's important, it's good for good health. You're not gonna disagree with what's been said. It's just really not easy to follow along with it. You'd be hard pressed to find somebody in this room like, no, no, I don't think that's a good idea at all. In fact, even those of you vegans, you know, uh, have a tendency to go to places like a fair or Silverwood. And when you go there, you might see something like this. Chocolate covered bacon. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm no vegan no more because I want some of that, right? Uh, It's hilarious because uh, every so often we uh, offer Krispy Kreme donuts to entice some of you to come to the eight o'clock service. And every time we do, it's amazing. All these extra people show up at the eight o'clock service, unless the time change happens, which we're not gonna go over that again. You see, it's so much easier to talk about faith, isn't it, than to actually live it. Sure, a lot easier. We do this sometimes, actually, when it comes to prayer, right? Social media, somebody is going through a situation, going through a hard time, and you start seeing the thread, you know, that's in there. And people begin to say, thinking about you, or I'm here for you. I'll pray for you. And you see the prayer, 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 prayer. Obviously, is there anything wrong with prayer? No, 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 not at all. Except that when you look at the post and the person's post says, man, I got kicked out of my apartment. I need help moving. And somebody responds, hey, I'll pray that God brings somebody. (laughs) Like, Like, really? Like, thanks, you know. How about you show up and actually help me move? Don't just pray about it. We don't need to pray about it. And we do that from time to time when it comes to prayer, even in our small groups or community groups, even with one another, when we know God might be asking us to put what we believe into actually action, what we say into action. Jesus says it this way in John 14:15. If you love me, obey my commandments. See, that should cause some of us to pause for just a second. So you're saying, Jesus, that I can't just say I believe I, I love you. I can't just say that I'm a Christian. No, no. Jesus says, if you love me, if you're saying that you love me, then you need to show me. Do what I say. Uh, he actually tells us that that's what we're to do with one another, that that's the evidence. Not what we say about what is true, but actually how we love one another. John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Not as much what we say. What we say is important, but evidence or proof that we're followers of Christ is actually how we love one another. And here's one of the things that I can say. I think I can say it fairly confidently that if you are connected in any way, shape, or form, especially beyond weekend services here at Valley Real Life, we love well. I should say you love well. It's amazing just to watch the outpouring of love and connection beyond what we say into one another's lives. I would say it's one of the secret sauces, you know, of this place. is because we've said, this is what Jesus told us to do. Let's, Let's not just talk about it. Let's do this with one another. Also, you do realize it's so much easier to tell others what they should do based on right and wrong, especially from God's word. It is so easy to have the answers for someone else. Again, back on social media, it's so easy to tell someone, well, you shouldn't do that or do this, or let me give you some unsolicited advice. I want to make sure I remind you, for those of us who really like to engage in some of this stuff on social media, saying what is right but doing it in the wrong way always has opposite results of what you intend. Remember that when you start spouting off what is true, may say what is right, but how is it being received or how is it landing? You, you do know that sometimes the most critical people, at least that I know, about life in general have a lot to say about it. About the church in general have a lot to say about it. But there's not a lot of backing of living and following him. You see, faith is actually passed on to others when what I say is actually backed up by what I do. Those your parents, because I know this is a burden on your own heart. If you want faith to be passed on to your kids, you do realize that it's not because you tell them you're a Christian. You do realize it's going to have to be more than just bringing them to church. All the evidence shows that when faith gets passed down generation to generation, it's those who bring faith into the home and match what they say with what they do. You do realize when kids get older they stop listening and they don't model themselves not after what we say nearly as much as what we do and how we live and what we really value and prioritize. You see that, you know, played out. Doesn't mean perfectly. In fact, those are great opportunities in the imperfection to talk about the grace of God and the love and the, and the, and the forgiveness we need from one another. I mean, look at Jesus. Jesus' coming wasn't just proclaiming words, although words were incredibly important, so don't mishear me, But it was just about words. He would have written down some things and he would have spoken a few sermons and that would have been it. He did a lot more beyond that to say this is what it means. Uh, Some of you might remember a little over two and a half years ago, second week I got here, I preached a sermon and I I talked about my dream for this place. That I believe that's God's dream for us as well. That if this church was to no longer exist in in a moment, in a flash, and I'm not talking about the building no longer, I'm talking about the people. If we no longer existed, I pray that two things would happen. Number one, that the community would notice, they'd say, "Oh, wait a minute, what, what happened to those people in our neighborhoods, in our work environments, in our communities?" And secondly, that they would grieve because of the impact that was no longer being felt or given in, inside of our community. You see, we do this with our faith. When we say that we're a Christian, right? If those of you I'm only kind of laughing because I know what happened. Those of you who took those lifer signs and placed them in front of your house, you just put a big target. Now the neighborhood is watching, right? So you gotta be careful what you say, how you live, how you act. And we should do that anyway, not in perfection, but now there's a target saying, oh, that household, those are Christians. And so I wonder how they are gonna treat me. I wonder how they're gonna treat the neighborhood. I wonder what they're gonna say. But more importantly, they're watching to see what you do, how you and I respond beyond what we say. And so we do this individually in our neighborhoods. We do this at work. We do this as groups, small, of our small groups do this. And we do this in our local concerted church outreach when we do some things together. Like there's one coming up this summer on July 14th, one of these big serve days. Well, this last week, by the way, we had a little over a, little over a week ago, we had 220 Trentwood students, you know, that were served by providing fresh fruit and snacks during their Dr. Seuss reading event. All right, it's a little opportunity. Always got to love the dabbing kids. Every picture, it doesn't matter. Got to throw in a little, you know, just to to throw that in there. Love it. What an opportunity that we got a chance as a church collectively to be able to help meet and reach a need. So faith is more than what I say. What I say is important, but it has to be more than. Secondly, faith is more, gets harder than what I feel. Faith is more than what I feel. As parents, you ever have a day where you don't feel like being a parent anymore? You're like, sick day, I'm done. I just need a day off. That's why this kind of commercial cracked me up. Go ahead and watch the screen with me now. Hey, Julie, I know today's critical, but I really need a sick day. But it's my... I know. I paid for it. Dads don't take sick days. Dads take Dayquil Severe. The non-drowsy, coughing, aching fever, sore throat, stuffy head, no sick days, medicine. Right, you see those commercials where like the mom goes into the toddler as well. Says, "I'm gonna need a sick day, honey," and the toddler's like, "What are you talking about? There's no sick days, you know." There may be tagging the other, you know, spouse if if even that's a possibility. You're a single mom, they're like, "There is no sick days. You don't get those times off." So you know, in your own and other areas of life, that you cannot fully live your life based on your feelings. Are feelings bad? No, but if you live your life based on your feelings alone. You will go up and down, and it's not going to go well for you and go well for other people. Uh, You might, you know, have heard these statements. I don't feel like going to work or school today. That's right. I don't feel like being your friend anymore. If you live your life that way, then all of a sudden you get married, and after a little while you're like, well, I don't feel like we're in love anymore, so obviously we need to get a divorce. You see how living your life based on how you feel can begin to affect relationships and one another. I actually had a wake-up call uh, this week at the dentist. I don't know if you've gone to the dentist in a while. It's 2018, and their instruments is still a metal hook that they jab inside your mouth and scrape to clean your teeth. For goodness sake, we sent a man to the moon in the 60s and we got to, we've never gone beyond a pick you know, in your mouth. And the reason I mention this is because not because I don't brush my teeth, that's gross, just for those of you who don't do that. You know, It's the flossing part because there are days I don't feel like flossing. I want to go to sleep, brush my teeth, go to sleep until I go to the dentist where three days ago and I'm at the dentist and she takes out this claw and begins to scrape and she gets near the gums, and it's like that doesn't feel good. It feels really bad. So I didn't feel like brushing my or flossing my teeth. But now I'm experiencing other kinds of feeling. And as she is picking, and blood is coming out of my mouth, uh, she begins to lecture me, you know, on you know making sure I floss, you know, more regularly. After about the third lecture, I wanted to grab that little stick, you know, and um, <laughs> but it was not a good feeling. I'll just tell you that. I was suffering consequences because there have been days where Michael once every three or four day flosser that I know that I need to increase that beyond how I feel before I go to bed. The reason I say that is because we can confuse our feelings with our faith as well, if we completely rely on that. So what I hear people say is, uh, I feel close today. To God. Uh, my relationship with God feels really strong right now. I can definitely feel the Holy Spirit in my life right now. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No. You should have those feelings. And so when the worship team comes out and plays and you're like, man, I'm really feeling connected to God. The danger in that is when a song is played that you might not feel to when you stop worshiping God because you've relied on some instruments or some different things to be that feeling connector. But there has to be something more. Because what then I undoubtedly hear a couple weeks later, if it's fully faith is about feelings, is like, man, I, I feel so spiritually dry right now, or, or I don't feel the presence of God right now, so he must not be around me. I must, must do some other things. And then you see the works that begin to take place in people's life. And see, so much of faith and action has to be beyond feelings. Do you realize that some of the greatest growth moments that you and I will have in faith is when we respond beyond how we feel? It happens all the time. In fact, the antidote to not living a faith journey solely by feelings is commitment and discipline. It actually really does. Those aren't bad words. I know it can come across that way, like Ugh, like negative commitment, discipline, harsh, positive, good, helpful, long lasting. In fact, let me give you three ways that I know can be a temptation when it comes to faith and feelings that if you push beyond may actually really help you in your faith. The first one's really easy. Attend church in small group, especially when you don't feel like it. Attend church in small group regularly, especially when you don't feel like it. It's, it's, it's humorous to me because this Sunday is actually known across the United States as one of the lowest Sundays of the year because we lost an hour of sleep. I'm like, Really? Really? I mean, it's like, like, and I know know 10 o'clock is late for some of you 11 o'clock people, but you know, come on. You're like, well, why? Because I didn't feel like getting up. Here's what I can tell you. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had that go something like this in the lobby. Hey, Dan, I almost didn't come today. So why is that? Well, I wasn't feeling good. Now I'm not talking about, if you're like throwing up and have high fever, don't come. Caring is not sharing. Do not do that. I'm talking about like, I just, I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel good. I've, I'm stressed out about some things in my life. I got a lot of things I've got to do after church. And so we just kind of skipped this morning. I was this close to skipping. And then inevitably, this is what I hear. But I'm so glad I didn't. Because God really spoke and used in the worship song and connection and I saw my friend and all these things that happened. And so let me just give you just a little advice. The times that you feel the least likely or want to come Maybe the time that you need to come the most, because God wants to do something beyond how you feel in order to deepen and develop your faith. It'd be the same thing with groups and and different other areas. Uh, Parents, let me just help you out a little bit when it comes to your children as they grow. Uh, You ever had a child (laughs) say, I don't feel like doing my homework. I don't feel like eating with the family. I don't feel like helping out. I don't feel like doing my chores. And so what do you say as a good parent? I don't give a rat's how you feel. (laughs) You're going to do the things that we've asked you to do because you know that beyond how they feel, this is actually beneficial for them. Now, why would you do that? Because obviously you're awful parents. Do you understand the, the gentleness of their psyche and kind of counseling that they might need later because you actually went beyond how they might feel? And we see this kind of played out in our culture today. I mean, they might grow up hating chores. They might grow up hating to brush their teeth or showering and they might grow up hating school. But what about when your child becomes a teenager and like, well, I don't feel like going to church anymore? See, then all of a sudden I see parents being like, ooh, I, I want to protect it. Gosh, if they don't feel like it, I don't want to damage their faith. Let me just give you an insight. Make them go. I mean, how much more important is that than school, than chores, than brushing their teeth? But for some reason, we think, well, I don't want to hurt them. Like, no, you're actually investing in them because you're teaching them that faith is more than feelings, it has to go beyond how they feel. Let me just give you some, those of you who are a little younger, who I know that you might be sitting here right now, well, my parents drag me every single week. Let me just be absolutely vulnerable and real. There are days that I don't want to come to church and I'm the pastor, okay? So I just want to throw that I am with you, you know, on certain days and times, which leads us to the next point. Spend time in prayer and God's word when you don't feel like it, especially when you don't feel like it. I see, my dad actually, I had a guy say to him, you know, one time, he said, Pastor Jim, he said, uh, I don't know why you keep asking us to get into God's word because every time I read God's word, I get nothing out of it. I can't remember what I've read. I don't feel a connection to God. When I pray, I feel it feels awkward. Like I'm not talking to anybody. I'm talking to myself. I don't know why you keep asking me to do those things. I love what my dad said. He just asked him, he says, hey, can you just remind me, what did you eat three weeks ago on Thursday night? He goes, I don't remember. My dad said, neither do I. But we do know we got fed, didn't we? See, a lot of times we need to be reminded that God's word is actually food and it's nourishment. And even though we may not like the broccoli or the vegetables or the different things going down, it is actually good for us. And whether we remember it or not, I can't remember what I spoke about three weeks ago as a sermon, but I do know that there was an opportunity to be fed. And so you're like, okay, I'm gonna do it. Why? Discipline and commitment actually will deepen my faith in him beyond what I feel. And so that's just an encouragement. The third one would be to serve God by serving others even when you don't feel like it. I mean, how many times have you seen an opportunity to serve, to love somebody else, and you're thinking the first thought is like my thought, and it's like, I don't have time for this. I've got too many other things. I'm stressed out, and that kind of stuff. I know they need help, a listening ear, somebody to come alongside, somebody to practically, you know, be there for them, but I don't have the time, and I'm, maybe I don't even feel like I have the resources. And yet... How many more times, more often than not, do the feelings actually come after you do it anyway? Does afterwards you walk away going, man, I'm actually so glad I did that. I didn't feel like doing it going into it, but my faith compelled me, encouraged me, and pushed me to do something beyond how I felt, and it was good. And even I didn't get those feelings, I still walked away going, man, that was still the right thing to do. And all of a sudden, my faith takes another little step, and I go deeper and deeper and deeper. See, faith is more than what I say. What I say is important, but it has to be more. Faith is more than what I feel. What I feel is important, but it has to be more. And this is where it gets harder. Faith is more than what I believe. More than what I believe, this gets harder. Now, to believe in God through Jesus Christ is the first step. It is part of the process for absolute sure, but let's go back to James chapter 2, verse 18. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say... How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by by my good deeds. Don't miss this. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in fear. Right? We should be putting on the brakes for just a second. That should cause some of us in this room just to take a step back and go, well, wait a minute. Demons believe. I say I believe. The question is, what's the difference between your faith and a demon? Okay? Because there's a lot of people out there be like, I believe in God. I've I, I prayed the prayer. You know, I even come to church. I, I believe in God. But it says the demons believe too. And they actually tremble in fear. What about us? Uh, let me put it this way I believe, this is a little, 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 little extreme, I understand. I believe in Hitler. I believe that Hitler existed. I believe that he was real, but I'm not a Nazi. I just wanna make sure that's clear because I know there might be rumors out there as well, but I am not a Nazi, okay? Those of you sports people like myself, I I believe in the Packers, Steelers, Cowboys, and Patriots. Any Packers, Steelers, Cowboys, and Patriots fans? You're not really excited about your team. It's great. I believe that they're all NFL teams. I do. I believe they're all NFL teams, but I am not a fan and definitely not a follower because Jesus makes it clear that we should not be. (laughs) Before I get in trouble, the Bible doesn't really say that. It should, but it doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't say that at all. See, Jesus is not looking for more people who say they believe in him. That's not what he's looking for, but he is looking for people who have faith that matches that belief. People who are not fans of Jesus and applaud what Jesus does at people who are following him. So faith has to be more than what I say and what I feel and it has to be more than what I believe. Although all those things are important, it has to be more. So here is what faith is. Real faith is demonstrated and developed by what I do, by what I do. Uh, you've heard this, this old illustration, you know, before, the tightrope walker across the Grand Canyon, right? This tightrope walker in the, you know, 50s, 60s, whenever it was, he no harnesses, no safety nets, all that kind of stuff, puts a rope across the Grand Canyon, and walks across it. And everybody's like, whoa, that guy's nuts. And it's kind of awesome to see. So they come and see, and they come and see, and they come and see. Well, after a while, he decides to up the ante, he tries to make it even a little more dangerous. So he pulls out a wheelbarrow, right? You see this? And he asks the crowd who had gathered, he goes, how many of you believe that I can... Go from this side to the other side. How many of you guys believe that I can do that? Towards they all raise their hand, and some of them start chanting, we believe, we believe, we believe. So he goes, shh. So then he asks them the question, who's getting in the wheelbarrow? All of a sudden, the belief fell a little short, didn't it? It was like, "Uh, uh, well, I'm not, well, I believe. Well, do I believe? No, I'm not putting my life at stake in that belief. So there's gotta be levels of that. You see, real faith is demonstrated and developed actually by what I do. Now, for those of you type A servers, here's what you need to hear. This does not just mean to serve more, because that's what we think. Well, if I have to do more, I must do more works. No, for some of you, you need to rest more. You actually need to rest more in Jesus. You need to quiet your schedule, quiet your heart, and quiet your life and sit before a holy God and do nothing, which in fact is doing something, which is why this is applicable to you. It's not that I need to go serve more. It just means that I need to grow and be developed by what I do. Maybe for some of us, it's just getting on our knees more. Now, James ends up the rest of that chapter. He, t- he gives two examples. One is a guy by the name of Abraham. Another one is a, guy by, by, a gal by the name of Rahab. In 21, 22, he says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Do you realize in the Greek, which is what the Bible, the New Testament is written in, that word actions or working together is where actually we get the English word for synergy. So what he's saying is that faith, action, faith, action, faith, action. And you get this synergy. It works together like you're on a bicycle and you see this movement that takes place in your relationship with God and with other people. Now, you do know that there is actually a chapter in the Bible. It's actually called the faith chapter. If you get a chance this week, go read Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 walks you through all of these ordinary people, for some reason had extraordinary faith that ended up in this faith chapter. And he walks through all of them. Here's the one thing that they all have in common, is they understood that faith is taking God at his word and obeying his command. It's taking God in his word and then obeying his command. That's what it means to have faith. And I love, love, love that James doesn't end with Abraham. Those of you who know the Bible, you're like, well, Abraham would be an obvious example of someone who had faith. But he ends with a woman named Rahab. And he says this, Rahab is the the prostitute, he calls her, because that's what she was, is another example of someone who had great faith. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. You can go back to Joshua. You're going to read the story of of Rahab here. Here's what I want to point out. Of all the examples that James could have pulled from in the Old Testament, how many examples of different people of faith could he have chosen? And he chooses Abraham in one, but he chooses a prostitute in another time. And I believe he did it on purpose because faith, a lot of times we look around and we're like, well, I don't have great faith. I don't have awesome faith. I don't have Abraham faith. I don't have all these people's faith. Yeah, but faith is not a destination. It's a journey. And what a greater example than Rahab, who in one instance, in one instance, she made a decision. Prostitution or I'm gonna help God's people. And in that help of God's people, she took one step, one step. And that's what faith is. It is a step-by-step-by-step journey with God that you're continuing to say, what is my next step of faith? What is my next step of faith? And what greater example than Rahab? For some of you, that's what you needed to hear today. That you might say, I don't really have much faith. I'm just exploring this Christianity thing, right? But God has you here to take that next step. What is that for you? I heard this last question, you you know, when I was in college and it never left me. Other people have said it and heard it differently, but let me ask you this. If you are a follower of Christ, if I was arrested for being a follower of Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict me? Right? Well, I go to church, not enough evidence. Is there enough evidence outside these walls to convict you as a follower of Christ? You do realize that fellow brothers and sisters across the world, even today, are being brought to trial, tortured, persecuted, even killed, because they're followers of Christ. And when they get brought to trial, the charges are laid out against them. Here's how we know that this man or woman, young or old, is a follower of Jesus Christ. This is what they do. This is who they are. This is what they say. This is what they believe. This is how they live. And so they're on trial. And so it makes me in a country that we are free in this day and age to ask that same question. Would people outside this place, if you got arrested for being a Christian, would they have enough evidence to convict you? That might be convicting in and of itself. So as we close, what is one area that you need to put your faith into action? One area. What's that one step? For some of you, you might come to the point where you say, I'm going to finally forgive that person. Because that's what God says. He forgave me, and so his word tells me I need to forgive others, and so I don't feel it, but I'm going to do it anyway. For some of you, you might have to be the person that actually goes and asks for forgiveness. I may, for some of you, you actually know a tangible expression of faith that he's leading you to do in your home, in your neighborhood, in your work environment, that he's just calling you to say, be me, be Jesus in my environment. Be Be an example of me there. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know that all of us can have a next step with him.